0: 3 John chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Beloved, I pray in all, all that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. Verse 3 says, For I was glad when brethren came and testified to your truth, that is, how you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. So what we talked about were all the lies that are really standing in opposition to God's will to heal for us. And you know, as you know, we are aspiring to start healing rooms, which means we want to create an organized effort to see people healed on a regular basis because we see a lot of people healed through mission trips and through, you know, Sunday outreaches or stuff like it's kind of sporadic, but because that's something we're seeing God do more of, we want to organize around what God is doing so that it can increase, and, so, and also so we can train. This is a great way to learn and to practice to try and fail and to try and win. You know, get some victories under your belt. Um, the first time I was really going after healing a lot was in, uh, was in the Philippines, and we were where we started contending at was in leper colonies and so in leper colonies in the philippines like lepers yeah yeah yeah. and so we didn't start with headaches we started with lepers you know (laughs) those were my early early days of starting and so we would have people that their, you know their fingers would be uh rotted off from the tips because of the it's a it's a skin eating disease and so that they would look like this would be their hands or or less and that would be their hands you know and people would tell you about different pain or aches in their body and we would lay hands on the lepers and we would pray for for God to heal him. Well, one time we had this guy, and I've got to find the picture, but I've got a picture of him, and um, he uh, he had a horrific pain in his ankle. It was like a really bad thing. He was bandaged up, and of course the pain meds are minimal over there, um, and he was sitting in bed, and he had this picture of, of Mary uh, mm-hmm. next to him, which obviously is Catholic, right? It's a Catholic. A lot of the country is Catholic, and so we prayed for him, and we went at it, And we prayed, Father, you know, we we speak your healing word, God. In the name of Jesus, be healed. We command all this pain to go. We're trying, we're contending exactly what you said. We're contending to bring a manifestation to God's promise into the natural. And we contended and contended. In the beginning, you know, it was tough to see a lot of fruitfulness. Like we had a lot of people that we prayed for that didn't get healed. But we were contending. We were like trying to lift the weight. We were trying to bring this promise into now. Well, this guy god touched his leg and god completely healed him of all of his pain he stood up out of his bed and was stomping his heel to the ground because that's how much of the pain had left his body and uh and so we had led him to the lord with uh with an answer track you know just a jesus track a, a gospel track a gospel track and uh and after we had led him to the lord he took his gospel track and he put it over his Mary picture And so it it unfolds to look like a cross, and it's got you know Jesus on it. And but he took it over, and that's the power of healing: is signs and wonders. They they point to someone. They point to Jesus. And so when he got the sign, it led him to Jesus. Like it was obviously the word did its work. But when you see some, hey, your God does something for you. Your God is a healer. Your God provides for you your God sends you checks in the mail your God does wild stuff I'm really interested in that part you know and um and so he got healed so we want to grow in healing um not just as as a as a stage kind of ministry but in our personal one-on-one life like we've got to see breakthrough we've got to see it on a regular basis it should be on a regular basis the mentality that we only see it once in a while is false that's not true The truth is, we should see healing on a regular basis. It should be a normal part of our lives. Verse 4, it says, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. That this is something that we are walking out. John chapter 8, verse 31 32. So, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So why we talk about the lies last week, we wanted, to bring, we wanted to shine truth to the most common lies. You know, it is God's will to heal everyone, everywhere, every time. If we can get that phrase locked in our mind, it is God's will to heal everyone, everywhere, every time. Man, if we can lock that in and substantiate it by biblical truth, you're really going to be unmovable in this truth. And you're going to see healing like you will see healing in your life. It's kind of like sowing and reaping. You plant something, you're going to get a harvest. It is that harvest is coming your way. It's going to happen. Even if you've, you know, uh, I was just thinking of Brian recently and how Brian has just sowed his time being here with us at, at Antioch. How much Brian has changed. I was just looking at him last night and like, thought, wow, this guy, he's changed a lot since the first time I met you. Mm-hmm. When you sow, you're going to start reaping. Like, There's a benefit that's going to come back to your life. Likewise, when we hold to the Word, it's going to come back to us. Um, 1 John chapter chapter 5, verse 13 15, through 15 says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask... That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. There's a word here that got used. This is the confidence we have. We can shift to having real confidence in here, in this thing, where we have a confidence in healing. It says this is the confidence that we have uh, before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. When you get confident in something, you're, you're at rest. You're not even striving. You're just aware it is God's will to heal. Every time, everywhere, for everyone, this is the confidence. The, and that confidence comes from when we begin to pray according to the will of God. And so faith is always in action where the will of God is known. If we don't know what the will of God is on a given subject, we're not going to be able to operate in faith in that. That's why we're confronting the lies and why today we're talking about the will of the Father. Because when we know what God's will is concerning that, now we, have, we can have faith because we, we know that's God's will. That's, uh, the scripture says this, is, this gives you confidence. So, so, so a few things that we know from that passage. Uh, verse 15, and it says, and we know that if he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we will have the request which we have asked of him. So there's three things that we know. One is we we know it's God's will. And if we know it's God's will, we know that He hears us. And the third thing, if we know that it's God's will and we know that He hears us, we know that we have the petition that we desire when we are praying according to the will of God. Um, That's the beginning. Um, That's really why there's so much um, lack of breakthrough on healing is there's a lot of people who don't believe it's God's will to heal everyone I say not this one or that one and or it's not god's will to heal every time it's not this time or that time um or not in this place for example that those healings only happen in mexico mm-hmm. those healings only happen in africa <laughs> you know daniel uh Paulson, when he was here he would talk about he asked god one time because he was in he was in africa and he asked the lord Lord, why are you, why, you know, he's seen miracles and people being healed in Africa. And so he asked the Lord, he said, God, why are you so different in Africa? The Lord spoke back to him and he said, I'm not different in Africa. You are. We're different. It's a, it's a mentality. I'm going on a mission trip. I'm going to bring the kingdom. And God's not, the thing is, God's not different. We were different. We, We changed. So that is the reason for the lack of breakthrough. So... Yeah, that was in 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Yeah, that was it. Uh, No, I just read verse 15. That was the last one. And it says, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked of him. Um, And so living in that, God, knowing the will of God, um, knowing God's word, his will, his... His will is evident in the scriptures, which, you know, it's what we're basing our theology off of. But we're also, it's also evident in Jesus himself. And so Jesus is the demonstration. Jesus came to reveal the Father. You know, scripture doesn't tell us um, where we should work. Scripture doesn't say, hey, Adrian, you're going to work in the medical field. Scripture doesn't say, hey, Matthew, you're going to be a nurse. Scripture doesn't say, Adrian, you have to marry Kayla. Like, there's a lot of things that Scripture does not tell us that about the will of God. Things that He does tell us about His will is His nature. And that means if we know the will of God on something, we should follow it closely. I mean, if you, can you imagine if God, if you read in the Scripture one day, and it said, Brian, it is God's will for you to work at Starbucks. Like, just plain as day, it is God's will for you to work at Starbucks. We would have a deep conviction for you to work at Starbucks. Like, Brian, you're supposed to be, what are you working over there for? You should be at Starbucks. And you would know, yeah, I know, that's God's word. That's supposed to be at Starbucks. Like, it would be such a direct response because that's the known will of God. And in fact, Brian, we can believe for you, even though you don't have a job at Starbucks right now, that when you apply, you're going to get the job because it's God's will for you to go work at Starbucks. And we believe that as you're excellent, you're going to grow in that and you're going to be running the Starbucks and then you're going to be running branches of Starbucks. And then you're going to be a director in Starbucks. Like it is this is God's will for your life. We would all gather around Brian to see to it that quit your job and go work at Starbucks because the truth is so clear. That's what it's like in the realm of healing is the truth of healing is so clear. It is so evident that we have to say, look. You don't have to stay sick. Look, if, if there's a virus passing around, you know, when the media will shift again and there'll be another one in a year or two, you know, like there'll be another reason. There's too much. Everyone's too invested in masks. It's too big of a business now, you know. And so it's people have manufactured too many. They got to get rid of them. So there's going to be another thing swarm through the media. And so when that happens, we can just say, hey, Psalm 91, no plague will come near my tent. No harm will befall me. That's the truth of the word. As easy as we would say, go work at Starbucks, we should say, no sickness in my house. That's the way it works. Um, Jesus came to reveal and to execute God's will on the earth. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 4 through 7. It says, for it is impossible for the blood, in, uh, the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he who comes into the world says, sacrifice an offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me, and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices... For sin, you have taken no pleasure. And Jesus says, Then I said, Behold, I have come, and the scroll of the book it is written in me, to do your will. So what's interesting is Jesus did not come to accomplish his own will. He did not come on his own will. It says that he came to do his will. And so when Jesus is healing the sick, he is demonstrating the will of the Father. When he casts out the demon, when he cleanses the leper, when he opens the deaf ear, when he opens the blind eye, when he multiplies the food. He did not come to do his own will. This was not Jesus' idea. He said, I came to do his will. So that is a re- that Jesus is the reflection of the Father. It tells us of his nature. John chapter 4, verse 31 It says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Verse 32, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus came to bring an end to a law and a birth to grace, the end of the old covenant and a birth to grace into the new covenant. Jesus came to manifest the will of the Father in the earth. John chapter five, verse 14 says, after Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, behold, you have become well, do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. So we see Jesus, he's healing people like this is, he's revealing the nation of the Father. So this is an interesting passage. John five fifty four. Uh excuse me, John five fourteen. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, behold, you have become well, do not sin anymore so that something worse may happen to you. So this is an interesting thought. A lot of people relate people sinning as to being sick. Because from this verse right here, Jesus says, don't sin anymore, because he healed them. "Don't, Don't sin anymore, lest something worse befall you. And so a lot of theologians interpret this as, when you live in sin, that correlates... You can, you'll, you'll be sick. Or, when someone who's sick, they say, uh, they're in sin. Mm-hmm. And that's not so. And so what I would say is that if you're sick, it doesn't mean that you sinned, but if you're sinning, you definitely have an open door. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the Bible says the, the soul that sins must die. Like sin and death are, it's a law. Like That's why there's death in the world. Adam would have lived eternally. Had he never fallen in sin, Adam and Eve, had they not fallen in sin, but because they fell into sin, death came into the world. And so if you live in sin or excuse me, if you're sick, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're that you're walking in some grave, horrible sin. But I can tell you, you know, that if you live a lifestyle in sin, you're you've got an open door of access to the enemy and not only could you get sick, but you can, you can get demonized. You can get an open door to oppression. You can open door to anxiety. You can open, open your life to oppression from the enemy. And so Jesus says, don't sin anymore. Close the door is what he's saying. Like, I just got you healed. Let's not bring any other crap into your life right now. Let's not bring more stuff into your house. Quit sinning. Close the door. So the point here is... If we keep the doors shut, it helps us live in wholeness and helps us stay, stay in healing. Um, uh, John 5.16, um, you know, he had healed someone. And the religious in John 5.16, it says, For this reason the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he, he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And, you know, a lot of the resistance that we get from every believer walking in healing is from, uh, unfortunately, it's from the church. You know now in the American church is in this, probably as bad in this as is actually is the 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 Mexico church or I should say the Hispanic church. Um, a lot of the, the leadership is very much uh, pastor. You know like you, this high, right? Like you very it's almost this this different level of person of pastor. Come pray for me for my healing, mm-hmm. pastor. Come pray for me for the. And so a lot of times it's in religious circles that elevates men. That there's actually restrictions that say, hey, you don't need to be doing that. Leave that for the pastor. And that's not true. You know, Revelation says that we're kings and priests. That we're, there's a priesthood for all believers. Amen. That every one of us can be the priest of our home. That every one of us should be seeing healing. And so the, the religious, they were persecuting Jesus because he was doing this on the Sabbath day. In verse 16, it says, and therefore they they did, therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. I mean, that's pretty intense. They make, they start planning them, and then they plan to kill him. Mm -hmm. Religion does not like this stuff. So there's a persecution that comes with it from a religious spirit. It shouldn't happen from your church, won't happen from here, like we want you to do that. But that's, that's a real deal, you know, um. It's a backwards, it's completely backwards. It's a backwards culture. There should be more happening through the full of you guys than one or two leaders. There should be more happening, exponentially more. A different level of things happening. On a different level, much higher. Jesus, he said, greater things will you do because I go to the Father. The heart of Jesus was for his disciples to do much greater than him. He says, you're going to do all this stuff you saw me do. You're going to get to do that. And then you're going to do greater. That's the heart of the Father. It's, I'm going to give you an example. Now come stand on my shoulders and get something bigger. Like if you've heard testimonies up here about someone being healed in Walmart, pulled out of their wheelchair, or you heard stories about someone's, we got on video where the leg grows out and stuff like that. You should hear that. And it should be like, wow, that's my inheritance. Just come stand on the shoulders. You'll do those things and greater. Or you saw someone and, and they, were, they got to get free from, from demonic oppression. And like, wow, man, I, that's my inheritance. I will do that and greater. And that's the will of the Father for you. John chapter 5 verse 17 says, But he answered them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because he was not breaking the Sabbath, uh, but also was calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Again, that's the problem with religion is they don't like to see the followers elevate. Uh, Therefore, Jesus answered him, was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing, and the Father will show him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. Verse of uh, John 5:30. I can do my I I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous. But I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So it's clear Jesus is not doing his own stuff. He wasn't not operating independent of God. He was operating aligned with God. I came to do the will of the Father. Why did he never there's never any example in Scripture that Jesus prayed for someone and they got sick. How come Jesus didn't do that? He never saw the Father do it. So I only do what I see my Father do. He never made someone demonized.) because he never saw the father do it. He never put sickness on someone to work out their character. He never saw the father do it. He said, I, only, I, didn't even, I didn't come to do my own will. He came as a servant. He is our king, but he is a servant. He tells us he who wants to be the greatest among all must be the servant above all. So he came as a servant living in this earth and says, I'm only doing what he wants, and he wants me to heal. The closest story we have of this is the story of the Syrophoenician woman who was a Gentile who was asking for a miracle for her daughter to be delivered? And of course, we talked about that before. But she was calling for something that was in a disp- different dispensation. That was what would happen under grace when Peter's ministry to the to the Gentiles. So she would get her miracle. It was at a different time, but because of her faith, she still got her daughter delivered. When she said, "Even the crumbs fall from the master's table," she still got deliverance. So we even see Jesus. We even see them breaking the rules, you know, breaking the timelines to get people healed. So it is the will of God for people to heal. Um, John six thirty-eight. for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John fourteen five through 7, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going or how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would known the Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. He says, you know who the Father is because you're looking at me. From now on, you have seen him. What what an amazing statement. John 14, 8. And Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. (laughs) Like, Did you hear what I just said? said? Jesus says... If you look at me, you've seen the Father. And Philip says, just go ahead and show me the Father. Like, he wasn't registering. Um, Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works in themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. John 14, verse 13 through 14. It says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in His Son. Why do we want to go for healing? It glorifies the Father. It glorifies Him. It brings Him honor. It brings Him praise. It's it's worship. When we lay hands on the sick and they recover, be it from a headache or something horrific, it is bringing honor to the Father. It testifies. It speaks of the work of the cross. It speaks of the reality that Jesus is alive. Every time... When a headache leaves someone, when you laid hands on them, know that that tells the kingdom of darkness, Jesus is alive. Now on Easter, you know, we say, He is risen, and everyone says back, he is risen indeed. That is a shock to the to the realm of darkness. Every time you see you lay hands and someone gets delivered, every time that anxiety leaves, every time that depression goes, every time that healing happens, it says Jesus is alive. That's a powerful thing. That, that is giving witness. That is telling the world, you know, when, uh, when Josh comes here and says, man, I was gonna have an epileptic seizure, mm-hmm. but I said, no, I felt in my hands that I was gonna start having a seizure. I felt the tingling come and I laid hands on myself and I said, in Jesus name, I will not have a seizure. And the seizure stops. Mm-hmm. That speaks to the kingdom of darkness, says Jesus is alive. This is God's property. Man, it's, that's a powerful thing, and it's a witness. It speaks to all of us, and, and it edifies us. It builds us up when he says, hey, it came again, but I stopped it. Hey, it came again, and nope, and I haven't had one in this long, and I haven't had one, and I felt them come, but I said no, and I stopped it. Like, that is growing in our authority, growing in our awareness of the, of the kingdom of God. Hebrews 1.3 says, speaking of Jesus, it says, "...who being the brightness of his glory, the Father..." And the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty of on high. So it says he is the expressed image of his person. Jesus is the person, the expressed representation of God. If we say, man, I don't know what God's like, I don't know what God would do with this, look at the life of Jesus and you know exactly what the Father is like. You'll see that. Were there, was, did He rebuke the religious? Yeah. Did He have hard sayings for His disciples? He, he certainly did. But He was a good Father. He demonstrated being a good shepherd. He led people and brought them away, led them away from good things, and uh, led them away to good things and led them away from, from the enemy, you know. You know, I think a lot of the challenges on healing, it comes from uh, a lot of the Old Testament um, readings, you know, you in the book of Exodus, you know, we was, we're in the Bible reading right now, you know, a few months ago, we're in the Exodus, and we read about all the plagues that came on the earth, you know, in numbers we hear about the, uh, the children of Israel, they go spy out the land and the people that brought back a good report. You know they god used them to carry the people into the promised land people who brought back an evil report says a plague fell upon them like you know or in the book of first samuel first second samuel it talks about how saul how how the lord had sent an evil spirit to him to torment him it doesn't say the enemy sent an evil spirit it says the lord sent an evil spirit to him to torment. And so, you know, a lot of the, the old testament passages, what we're dealing with are inferior covenants, an inferior time, that is before the blood the, the perfect covenant, the new covenant of the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. And so there are different things that happen in the Old Testament. You know, how many of you know now conquering for the kingdom of God doesn't look like slaying a village. And killing all the women and children and all their animals and taking their spoils. That's not how we operate in the kingdom of God today, right? But there was a time in the Old Testament where the children of Israel, God's people on the earth, would go kill a, a, a group of people, kill all the men, women, and children and take their, their goods and called it victory and went to sleep peacefully at night. Like, that was, that was the way they did it. We don't live in that era now. We don't live. that. That is all pre the blood of Jesus. And so, you know, what? there's a good teaching I can forward you all on, on the covenants that I think we shared with, with Thea or I think we talked about it maybe last year on uh, on just the, the timeline of covenants that Angie does, uh, Angie Shum. And it's a really good teacher for us if you want that i'll, I'll forward it to you she, i would I, I would tell you but i would butcher it she, it would better if she just taught it um but a lot of the old testament passage you're talking about deuteronomy 28 blessings and curses the blessings of obedience and the curses of disobedience how many of you've seen the blessings are like this long and the curses are like this long <laughs> like there's a lot of really bad curses you know for living in disobedience to the lord it doesn't work out that great And so, fortunately, we live on this side of the cross, and we're under grace, and uh, you know we can access a lot of a lot of these things um, that that are good. And so, um, Romans chapter four verse fifteen says, "Because the law brings about wrath, for there for where there is no law, there is no transgression." And so, in the law, the Bible says that brought about the wrath of God. God set a law, and then the people were disobedient to it. And it brought about God's wrath. In other words, there was no law before. And there was no, there was no wrath. But when God gave the law, and they weren't obedient to it, that caused it. It's kind of like saying, like Jonathan's not going to get in trouble if he goes to the pool right now. And I didn't tell him not to do it. If He just, just, he just needs to clear, his, clear, his, clear the air. He wants to go out to the pool real quick. And he steps out Fine. But if I make a rule and I make a law, it says, Jonathan, do not go to the pool while I'm talking. Now there's a law. And if he's disobedient to that law, it's going to bring about wrath from dad. Right. (laughs) That's what happened. There was no law given. So their sin was not imputed. Then God gave a law and they were disobedient to the law, And now they got the wrath. They got problems. And so that's what we're dealing with. So before the law, sin, sin was in the world, but it wasn't imputed. So, um, you know, Colossians 2, verse 9, in the Amplified Classic, it says, For in him, Christ, the whole fullness of the deity, the Godhead, dwells, to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. Verse 10. And you are in him, made full and having come to the fullness of life. In Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature. And He is the head of all true rule and authority of every, every angelic principality and power. So um, just a couple quick examples, and we'll, we'll close. Um, Matthew chapter 8, concerning the will of God, verse 1. It says, When He had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed Him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped Him, saying, Lord, if You are willing to, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Most of us are in this same heart position. God, if you're willing. Jesus had already been given a demonstration that he's a healer. This was a healing man. The leper wouldn't even have the question if this wasn't evident. He says, "If you're willing." A lot of reasons why, and he was a leper. Why we ask God, "If you're willing," is because we feel like a sense of shame, or we feel that we're unclean. This leper was was unclean. He says, "Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean." What he's saying is like, "I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be healed, but if you're willing, I would like to be healed." I mean, we don't deserve heaven either, but we're going to go to heaven, right? Like, we don't turn that down. For some reason, like, we think uh, as if we deserved heaven. (laughs) Oh, we'll take that one. (laughs) I don't want to go to hell, you know, because no one wants to go to hell. And, uh, but but it's the same scenario. Like, we didn't deserve heaven. We didn't deserve anything that we have. You know, we just happen to be born on this side of the world. A lot of people born on the other side of the world. have minimal resources for life and their, their life in God. And so we don't, do we deserve it? No, but it's humility to say, thank you. Thank you for what you provided. And I, I don't deserve it, but thank you. And that, I'm telling you, just having a thankful heart, it will, it will open you up. But even to the person who's unclean, Jesus says, I'm willing. So think of this. In the time that you feel that the, you least deserve it, in the time you feel that you are the most unclean and least likely to receive a miracle, Jesus says, I'm willing. When you feel the most unclean, that I do not deserve to be washed of my sin. I do not deserve healing right now. I've, I've screwed up. I've fallen in sin. I've done this. I've done that. I've done whatever. God says in the depth of that, in the miry clay, in the In the filth of your sin, I'm willing. You know, that Chris Tomlin song we sing, uh, Indescribable, it says, You know the depths of my heart, and you love me the same. God's love does not change because we're unclean. And it's still His will to make us clean. In fact, it's better that we come to Him knowing that we're unclean than us thinking we're something that we're not. Then he can do something with us. No hesitation. He didn't stop and ask God if he should heal him or not. He said, "I'm willing." It was the will of the Father. That's why Jesus came. It's always God's will to heal. He didn't stop and ask him if anyone that shouldn't receive God's blessing would be an unclean person. In that in that culture. And Jesus says, I'm willing. He didn't stop to ask God. That means it was always his will. It was his will to set in motion. It was his will that he had put out there. Jesus, go heal people. It's like, okay. Um, It's his will to to heal every time, everywhere, everyone. You know, we don't have this problem with salvation. We know it's God's will to save everyone. We know it's God's will to save everyone everywhere. And we know it's God's will to save everyone, everywhere, every time. Like we don't, it's not an obstacle for us. I think it's, uh, it's uh, the reason why this can be an obstacle is because this doesn't have to do with us giving. This can have to do with us receiving. And we don't, a lot of times we don't have any problem believing it's God's will to heal someone else. But we have a hard problem believing that it's God's will to heal us. Right? Like that's, it's, it's no problem, oh God, heal them, heal them, heal them, but... Man, when it comes to ourself, man, we got we got hurdles. And this is why we have to say it's God's will to heal everyone, everywhere, every time. Because if we don't believe that, you will make yourself the one. You'll make yourself the one, the exception. That says, "Up, oh, I'm the one that, that doesn't get healed every time. Or I'm the one that's not everywhere. I'm the one that's, it's, it's me. So we've got to take it all. Um, Matthew 8. This is a really cool one. This is the story. I'll just summarize it. This is the story of the centurion. Centurion comes to Jesus, has a servant that needs to be healed. Centurion says to Jesus, "Um, I have a servant that needs to be healed. Jesus says, no problem. I'll come to your house and I'll heal him. The centurion tells him, oh, no, no, no. You don't have to come to my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed because I'm a man. I'm a soldier and I'm under authority. And I know you're a person, and you're under authority. When I tell my servant to go, he goes. When I tell him to come, he comes. I, know, I recognize that you're a man under authority too. You're a soldier just like I am. When you say go, your servant's will to take care of this. When you say be healed, my servant will be healed. And Jesus marveled at this, the Bible says. And he said, your, your, your servant's healed. And he goes home, and the servant's healed. So that's the story. So what's the revelation here? Is that the centurion recognized that Jesus was authorized to heal? He was not just a man under the authority as a son, the Son of God in the earth. He was authorized with certain tasks. If I tell Brian, Brian, I need waters for outreach, and I pull out my church debit card or whatever, or a credit card or something, and I hand it to Brian, if I could get it out, that's my driver's license, but pretend. If I say, Brian, I need 48 waters for outreach today. because so we're going to go serve the poor. I need you to go buy some waters. Here you go. Oh, Brian, if there's anything else that you think that we need, go ahead and get that too. He is authorized. He's going to go buy waters. And if he gets out there and thinks, like, oh, we didn't have napkins. I need to go get some napkins. He's going to get napkins. You no, know why? Because he's authorized to do it. And so the centurion says, I recognize Jesus that you have been given authorization to do this. So do it. He says, okay, so that's the thing. We we have to recognize that Jesus is authorized to heal and Jesus has authorized us to heal. He has given us the card to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the leper, pray for the demonized. Like, these are things that He's authorized. He's handed us the card and says. Take care of this while you're in the earth. He's handed it to us. James five fourteen, This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. Um, excuse me, James five thirteen. James, the half-brother of Jesus. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will, he will be forgiven. This is, our, this is our doctrine of healing. This is the doctrine of laying on of hands that we believe for. And so, you know, the first week was kind of let's identify the lies and what's the truth. Here is the will of God is seen in the Father. And so, we have scriptural truth that tells us why we can believe it's God's will to heal everyone, every time, everywhere. Let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. We pray, God, that you would just, um, just teach us, God, as we take time to just break down your word and see what you say about your will to heal. God, I thank you, God, that we can have faith that even as we go out McGoffin's day and pray for people who are in pain or their minds aren't right, that it is your will to heal. It is your will to set them free. And even for us, God, it is your will for us to be healed. And it is your will for us to be free, Father. I thank you, Jesus. We receive your healing in our own bodies, God. There be no sickness in us. We receive your healing, God, over our minds, that we be free in our minds, we be free in our heart. By faith, we thank you for the truth of your word, and we receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen.